The following program is recorded content created by the Truth Network. I wish that politicians would be more careful when they claim to speak for God. It's time for The Line of Fire with your host, activist, author, international speaker, and theologian, Dr. Michael Brown, your voice of moral, cultural, and spiritual revolution. Michael Brown is the director of the Coalition of Conscience and president of Fire School of Ministry. Get into The Line of Fire now by calling 866-34-TRUTH. That's 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. You know, it's always a good idea not to step outside of your calling, your area of gifting, your area of expertise. And it's, uh, it's never wise for a politician to claim to speak for God in an authoritative way. Just like it's be out of line for me to speak about medical science as an authority. I'm not Dr. Brown, the medical doctor. I'm Dr. Brown, the Ph.D. from NYU in Semitic Languages. So when people write into us for medical advice, I say, sorry, I'm not a medical doctor. It's, it's good to stay in your lane. It's, it's good to know what you know and what you don't know. And unfortunately, political leaders often get this wrong. Hey, friends, welcome to the broadcast. Michael Brown, delighted to be with you. Here's the number to call, 866-34-TRUTH, 866-348-788. For anything on your mind, anything you want to ask me about, anything you want to disagree about, and open the fold lines. Well, I got a lot to cover, a whole lot to cover today. I hope you were encouraged by yesterday's broadcast. I had quite an amazing, extraordinary weekend meeting with different religious Jews, some counter missionaries, and some others spending over, over three hours with Rabbi Shmuley in Crown Heights, Brooklyn, Sunday night. Talk to you more about that on Thoroughly Jewish Thursday, God willing, of this week. But want to focus on a bunch of things happening in the world around us. And I'll take some calls as well, 866-348-7884. They can be totally off topic, but if I have time, I will get to some calls. Okay. Do you remember last year when the COVID curve started to, to go down, the, 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 the seemed to be a decrease in COVID deaths or hospitalizations and things like that, and, and Governor Cuomo wanted to make sure who and what the source of those positive changes were. Do you, do you remember when he said this? The number is down because we brought the number down. God did not do that. Fate did not do that. Destiny did not do that. Ah, we did it. God didn't do it. God had nothing to do with it, according to Governor Cuomo. Who knew? Who knew that the man that was riding so high, the award-winning man, the book contract man, the man who could easily be a Democratic presidential candidate, would not even be governor anymore after 2021. Who, who knew that was coming? Now, on the one hand, Governor Cuomo wanted people to understand this was not just a matter of living the lives the way you've been living them and praying for a miracle and God worked a miracle. This, is a, this was a matter of acts that, uh, and steps that were taken, actions that were carried out, steps that were taken to get certain results. Now, there's a way to say that. There's a way to say, I thank everyone who prayed, and I thank God for his mercy and his help. Without him, we'd really be in trouble. I'm also, I, I want to applaud everyone to say, look, we took certain steps and we did some difficult things, but look at the results that we got together. 
and you should congratulate yourselves. You could say all that. Or you could just not bring God in at all and say, hey, we've taken a number of steps and we've gotten some very positive results. But to say God didn't do it, God had nothing to do with it. Faith, faith, destiny had nothing to do with it. What gives him the right to say that? And then, of course, tragically, the decisions that he made that some say are absolutely murderous to clear out hospital beds, to make room for incoming patients so the elderly who were sick with COVID were sent into nursing homes, which then turned into an epidemic place for COVID with thousands of deaths of elders. I mean, many, many New Yorkers outraged and said, you, you killed our parents. I mean, that, that's how they feel. They're absolutely outraged. And the sex scandal and all of that, the sexual harassment scandal has, has overshadowed that, but that's really the, the bigger issue in terms of righteousness. The sexual harassment is terrible, but this is an even bigger issue if, in fact, the decisions he made led to the deaths of, of many elderly New Yorkers. And the idea of clear the beds for them, uh, to, uh, from them to, to make room for younger patients with COVID, and, of course, that flood of younger patients didn't come in as expected. So, anyway, you want to leave God out of the one? Well, then take the full credit for the terrible mistakes on the other hand. But I play that praying for God's mercy in Governor Cuomo's life and him to really know the Lord and, and have a life-changing encounter with Jesus and be used in a, in a positive way in the days ahead. I play that to say it appears that the governors of New York have not yet learned their lessons. So Governor Kathy Hochul, who often refers to her Irish Catholic background, but as the governor of the state of New York, is militantly pro-abortion and fully supportive of the radical abortion laws in the state of New York. She is speaking at Pastor A.R. Bernard's uh, Cultural Center in Brooklyn, New York, one of the most influential churches in America, and certainly one of the most influential Afri African-American churches in America. So listen to what Governor Hochul had to say in her message yesterday, uh, excuse me, on Sunday at the church. We have to get this community back. And what we went through this pandemic made us stronger. I believe that, especially as I talk to young people who weren't able to have their graduations from high school or a normal life for the last 18 months. I say to them, whatever comes your way in life, you are stronger. You are more resilient. God let you survive this pandemic because he wants you to do great things someday. He let you live through this when so many other people did not. And that is also your responsibility. But how do we keep more people alive? We are not through this pandemic. I wished we were, but I prayed a lot to God during this time. And you know what? God did answer our prayers. He made the smartest men and women, the scientists, the doctors, the researchers, he made them come up with a vaccine. That is from God to us. And we must say, thank you, God, thank you. And I wear my vaccinated necklace all the time to say, I'm vaccinated. All of you, yes, I know you're vaccinated. You're the smart ones, but you know there's people out there who aren't listening to God and what God wants. You know this. You know who they are. I need you to be my apostles. I need you to go out and talk about it and say, we owe this to each other. We love each other. Jesus taught us to love one another. And how do you show that love but to care about each other enough to say, please get vaccinated because I love you. I want you to live. I want our kids to be safe when they're in schools. I want you to be safe when you go to a doctor's office or to a hospital and are treated by somebody. You don't want to get the virus from them. You're already sick or you wouldn't be there. We have to solve this, my friends. 
I need every one of you. I need you to let them know that this is how we can get, fight, fight this pandemic, come back to normal, and then start talking about the real issues that we have to fighting systemic racial injustice, which exists today. And if there's a dot denier, I will take you on any day because I've seen it. I know it exists and we are not going to have a blind eye to this ever again any longer under my watch. And that is my commitment to you. All right. So obviously the appeal to systemic racial injustice at the end of that clip in that setting. Notice she did get applause when she thanked God for the scientists who've come up with the vaccine. So in that sense, the exact opposite of what Governor Cuomo did. Now, was that conscious? In other words, was she thinking about what he said? Was that not in her mind at all? I don't know. God knows. Either way, since she believes the vaccine is a good thing, I was, I was talking to a rabbi over the weekend who said he thinks it's Trump's greatest accomplishment to get the vaccines passed and pushed through so quickly and saving millions and millions of lives. If, if you are pro-vaccine, if you believe that the vaccines are a good thing, and, and, a, and a, a way to save lives and protect others from the spread of the pandemic, then, of course, you should thank God for giving wisdom. You should thank God for helping those who did the research and all of that, by all means. So from her perspective, great. I'm glad. I'm very glad she brought God into the picture there, the exact opposite of what Governor Cuomo did. This is not God. This is us. She's saying, hey, God answered our prayers by helping us get this vaccine. Now, you may not think the vaccines are the best, but either way, from her perspective, good. I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad you thank God for that. And to go to the, the end part before she got to the systemic injustice issue, I, I appreciate her heart to want to see people healthy and safe. And since she believes that the vaccines are the best way to do that, then I appreciate her saying, hey, go and, and encourage others to be vaccinated. From her perspective and the perspective of many of you listening and watching, that's a good thing. All right, so we're not debating the efficacy of the vaccine or the safety of the vaccine. We're not debating that at all. We're simply saying from her perspective and wanting to speak from a faith perspective in the midst of a church service on a Sunday morning, perfectly good for her to encourage others to go out and get vaccinated and say, hey, you were even to say you were smart to get vaccinated. You believe it's the right decision. Great. But, but hang on, what on earth gives her the right as governor, even if she was the pastor of that church, but as governor, a secular position from someone not trained in the word of God or ministry, what gives her the right to say to that audience that the people who are not vaccinated are not listening to God? What audacity to say that God wants them to be vaccinated and God is speaking to them to be vaccinated and they're not listening to God or God's presented the evidence and they're not listening to the evidence. The irony is that among populations that are percentage-wise less vaccinated in America, white evangelicals are high on that list and in general, African-Americans are high on that list. And, and a, a Black Lives Matter activist has called the, the vaccine mandate racist. And others have pointed out that Mayor de Blasio's restrictions that you can't go to a health club to work out, you can't go to a, a restaurant without a vaccine passport, that that discriminates in particular against black New Yorkers who are less vaccinated than other parts of the, of the population. So to make that statement there 
from my perspective, is, is a massive misreading of her audience, a massive misreading of the audience. That's, that's one thing. But the arrogance of saying, and, and you didn't get any applause for that part, right? You didn't hear that from the audience or amens. I don't know if they do amens there, or, you know, what the, the custom is in terms of how they respond. But to say that people aren't, listen, listen what a, there are plenty who have prayed earnestly, who have sought God, some for months, who have studied, researched, listened to people, talked to doctors, got all the evidence they can, asked God for wisdom, and then concluded, no, the vaccine is not for me or for my kids, and we're not doing it. How dare she say they're not listening to God? Let's pray that she will encounter God in such a way that she would learn to reverence Him in a way beyond anything she's known. Let's be careful. Stay in our lanes. Makes sense. We'll be right back. It's the Line of Fire with your host, Dr. Michael Brown, your voice of moral, cultural, and spiritual revolution. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. Thanks, friends, for joining us on the Line of Fire. Again, if you've got a question, any subject you want to raise or something where you want to pick my brain, dig deeper, or disagree with me, to the many who disagree boldly and vociferously on social media but never take my invitation to call in, I extend it. Once again, 866-34-TRUTH. A couple hours ago, I posted something on Twitter, just interested to get feedback on a very difficult, very sensitive subject. Again, when it comes to vaccines, when it comes to mandates, when it comes to personal decisions, these are very complex issues. There are issues of government overreach or employee overreach. There are issues of public safety. There are issues of personal choice. So they become very complex, very difficult, very challenging. That's where I wrote an article and did a show about Romans 14 in terms of coming to our own convictions before God and not judging one another based on those convictions and then urging pastors and leaders to be wise in what they say publicly about these issues, establish guidelines and, and put those out to help people make wise decisions. But I, I tweeted this out little, well, it's a few hours ago, and it says this, if you personally have concerns about either the vaccines or governmental and or employer overreach, if you were given the alternative of getting vaccinated or getting fired, what would you do? Assuming you had no legal recourse. So there's nothing you can do. You can't get a religious exemption. There's no way to fight back legally. What would you do? So 24.6%, so slightly under a quarter of the respondents so far. It's only a few hundred votes so far, 276 votes so far. Um, a quarter said they'd get vaccinated. Slightly under half, 48.9% said they'd get fired. And 26.4% said not sure. So almost equally divided between not sure or get vaccinated and get fired. But it's interesting to see that almost half of those polled said that they would choose to get fired. In other words, they feel that strongly about the vaccine. Now, I have other friends, godly friends, have had concerns about the vaccine. When they were given the alternative, you either get vaccinated or you lose your job. They felt to pray for safety and to get vaccinated, to say, Lord, I'm, I'm, I'm doing this to honor the authorities and so as to not lose my job because I believe you've called me to be in this position where it's important that I'm serving here. So 
I'm going to go ahead and get vaccinated and pray that there'll be no side effects or problems. Others said, what do you mean pray against side effects? It's perfectly fine. Obviously, if these people felt it was perfectly fine, they would have been less hesitant in getting it. And others I know uh, are losing jobs or will lose jobs because they won't get vaccinated. The issue to me is the dogmatic statements. The governor of New York saying you're not listening to God if you weren't vaccinated. Or other pastors yelling out to their congregation, do not under any circumstances get vaccinated. Better to give people the tools to make informed decisions. Better to present the evidence, better to present your insights, and then encourage people to go to God for themselves. Hey, look, when you come to me and you call me or write in with really difficult life and death spiritual decisions that you have to make, moral decisions that you have to make, and now I'm answering you, now I'm responding, that's very weighty. I don't know you personally, or people come to me that know me personally, and they need counsel, wisdom, but I have almost 50 years of experience in the Lord. I have almost 50 years of, of active ministry. I, I, I have a certain knowledge of the word in relationship with God. So if I feel I have something to give you, I will give it to you, knowing how crucial these issues are. And in plenty of other cases, I say, listen, I'll pray with you. I'll pray for you, but I don't feel I have anything to add. Or I'm too distant from your situation. And, and because of that, I am, I'm unable to, to speak to it. You've got to be careful. Jacob, James chapter 3 says that, that you should be careful about being a teacher. Not, not many should, should, should be teachers because those who teach have greater accountability. And the best thing we can do is help people grow in the Lord so that they can make wise decisions. And then when there are these life and death things and when people really need counsel, that we can offer wisdom. Again, let's stay in our respective lanes because these are difficult decisions people are making. And let's not be judgmental. Again, when I talked about Romans 14 last week, I had people weighing in as I looked at some of the comments on social media. And they were weighing in on both sides. What do you mean, debatable issue? Of course it's not a debatable issue. Under no circumstances do you get vaccinated. One guy was trolling our site just saying, Dr. Brown is good in these areas and certain areas, Jewish outreach and other things and Bible interpretation, but he's completely ignorant of the end times. He has no idea of the end times. Kept trolling and just posting all over Facebook, ultimately got blocked for it. But where was I lacking discernment that this is a government plot to kill millions and how can I not see it? So it's black and white. You don't get vaccinated. It's a government plot to kill millions, period, or hundreds of millions. Who knows what the alleged numbers are worldwide? And then others say, what do you mean debatable? It's nothing debatable. Of course you get vaccinated. How could you not get vaccinated? Now you're imposing your decision on others, and you could hurt them or kill them. So the very thing I'm saying is debatable. People on both sides are saying it's not debatable at all. There is no debate. There's no debate to be had. It's black or white this way, it's black or white that, which proves the point. So how about a little humility towards one another? You say, well, the science, I I talked to someone over the weekend, they said, well, I went with the science, that's why I get vaccinated. I said, yeah, I appreciate that, of course. I said, it's interesting that others have not gotten vaccinated because they're going with the science. What is science actually saying? Some of the most educated medical people I've talked to said, now we're concerned about safety issues with the vaccine. If you're otherwise healthy, we're not recommending it. Or if you're in certain age groups, it says we're not recommending it. So how about a little humility? Show me the chapter and verse about the vaccines. Show me. 
Thou shalt get vaccinated, thou shalt not get vaccinated. Show me the chapter and verse. So from the governor down to each of us, down to pastors, leaders, let's use some wisdom and humility. Uh, do I want to play that clip? No, no. Let, let me go somewhere else first. Uh, last week we didn't cover this, but it's big news. It's big news. We mentioned it but didn't cover it. So there's an article on LifeSite News. This is from last week as it happened. Breaking news. House Democrats vote to codify Roe v. Wade, legalize abortion on demand. This is a headline, headline on LifeSite News. The bill forbids states from subjecting abortion to ultrasound requirements, mandatory waiting periods, informed consent requirements, and other health and safety rules. And the article says this. So this is from, from Friday. Driven by fears that the Supreme Court may be on the verge of overturning the landmark pro-abortion ruling Roe v. Wade, the U.S. House of Representatives voted 218 to 211 Friday to pass legislation that would enshrine abortion on demand in federal law. In December, the nation's highest court will begin hearing oral arguments in Dobbs versus Jackson Women's Health Organization, which concerns Mississippi's HB 1510 law banning abortions from being committed past 15 weeks for any reason other than physical medical emergencies or severe fetal abnormalities. Abortion defenders argue it violates the judicially created, quote, right to pre-viability abortions. Pro-lifers hope the case will finally lead to the reversal of Roe v. Wade. Now, uh, we're going to talk about that tomorrow with my guest, Pat Mahoney. If you're anywhere in D.C. this Saturday, by all means, get to the Supreme Court for a major prayer gathering. And at the very same time, it looks like there's going to be a major pro-abortion march coming into in, into D.C. And, and going right by the Supreme Court at the very moment that this worship and prayer rally is beginning. It is a totally non-partisan event in terms of politics. It's not about political candidates or presidents or Congress. It is believers worshiping God and praying to him to work and to end the plague of abortion and to turn hearts in America. But here's, here's what I want to emphasize here. Candidate Biden said that if Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade, that he would do whatever he could to enshrine Roe v. Wade as federal law that would become the law of the land and would overrule, theoretically, the Supreme Court and would smash every pro-life bill, every pro-life advancement in every state in America would destroy it, would undermine it. He said he would do it. Now, those of you who voted for him, you bear some of the responsibility for this. I've said repeatedly, I understand why many of you felt you couldn't vote for Trump and sat out the presidential election. All right, I voted for Trump. One major reason was to vote against Biden and also feeling I had a good idea of what Trump would do. And I felt I could do damage control for the damage that he did. Others said, no, I can't even vote for Trump. I understood that. But to vote for Biden and then to be surprised when he's doing all this is utterly outrageous. To me, it's completely unacceptable. Completely unacceptable. To say, well, we're so surprised. No, he said he was going to do this. And when the Texas heartbeat law was allowed to stand by the Supreme Court with all three Trump appointees being the key ones, along with Thomas and Alito, to say, let it stand. So this is law now in Texas. This is law in Texas. That, that it, you're talking about basically a six-week bill, and if any detection of fetal heartbeat, then you can't abort. <clears throat> so think of this. President Biden has said that he will use the force of the U.S. government to overthrow that. There is no excuse for casting that vote. You say, well, it didn't matter. No, it does matter. Don't you understand? It does matter. 
your vote does matter when it comes to abortion, massively. The argument, look, no matter how we vote doesn't turn, it absolutely does matter. And if there had been consistent pro-life voting in the Supreme Court, would have changed over a period of years and then there would have been more constitutional voting and the recognition that there is no women's constitutional right for an abortion and things would have shifted absolutely along with public opinion so the house has done this basically it has no chance of getting approved by the senate and signed into law but this is the democrat party of today radical pro-abortion and you may just have to vote by voting with your feet and leaving that affiliation. There's not change there. You're voting for the shedding of blood when you vote Democrat. It's a reality. It's a reality. We'll be right back. It's The Line of Fire with your host, Dr. Michael Brown. Get into The Line of Fire now by calling 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. Our first emphasis must be spiritual. More than social, more than cultural, more than political. Our first emphasis must be spiritual. Our emphasis must be put on revival. Our emphasis must be put on evangelism, on discipleship on personal devotion, personal repentance. If we start there, we can see the nation shaking. Hey, friends, welcome to the broadcast. This is Michael Brown. Did you get my email today? Did you get my email today announcing the special pre-order of my latest book, Revival or We Die? You didn't get it? Oh, okay, so here's what you do. Go, first, let's get you signed up for the emails. And we got a bunch of really interesting things to get into, some eye-openers. 866-34-TRUTH is the number to call. Try to get to some calls as well. 866-348-7884. Anything on your mind you want to talk to me about or ask me about, phone lines will be open. But before we do any of that or get into some of the interesting news, let's make sure we get you signed up. So go to askdrbrown.org, askdrbrown.org, and just put in your name and your email address, your, your physical address if you like, and you'll be signed up. You'll immediately get a free ebook from us, Seven Secrets of the Real Messiah, a mini book. You'll immediately get some neat background story about my own testimony from LSD to PhD, the three R's of our ministry, and then all the ways that we can serve you, all the resources that we have for you, thousands of hours of free resources and things you can purchase. So let me give a plug for this new book, Revival or We Die. You can get a hardcover. So this is a special printing we're doing, a beautiful hardcover edition, plus a free download of a video where I, I go through the history of the writing of this book and take you through each chapter of Revival or We Die. I just did an interview with a pastor today, and, and he said it has this Ravenhill-like anointing on it. There, there's a fire. There's a fire that burned in me as I wrote. I believe that fire will burn in you as you read. I, I believe it'll give you a vision of what God can do through revival, of how revival can come into your own heart and, and your own life and how it's not too late for America if we'll seek him earnestly. It, it, it will convict you, it will stir you, it will inspire you. It comes out October 19th as the official publication date. We should be able to get the book to you before then, signed copies, and then the free download when you get them exclusively on our website, askdrbrown.org. So check it out, the hardcover volume, 
signed, numbered, so this is exclusive with the first printing, and the free download with it. So that's exclusively from us. You can get the paperback or the Kindle uh, ebooks anywhere online, but this exclusive hardcover with the download from us. So uh, I wish I could push a button and not just get this book into everyone's hands, but get you to read it because I believe it would help spark revival around the country. I feel that strongly about how God stirred me to write it. So that's where our emphasis, that, that's what we put first, seeking God, doing the work of the church. And then down the list is, is political involvement. It matters, but down the list. Now, I'm going to show you why it matters in a moment. But earlier today, I spoke about Governor Kathy Hochul, governor of New York, who replaced the now disgraced Governor Andrew Cuomo. We pray for God's best in both of their lives for true salvation, true repentance, true knowledge of God in them. She made a statement while speaking at the Brooklyn Cultural Center, Christian Cultural Center in Brooklyn, one of the most influential churches in America. Those who were not vaccinated were not listening to God. Uh, Robert Spencer does a great job exposing radical Islam. Uh, Robert Spencer posted this at PJ Media. He said, every religion is in one way or another a story of loss and gain, of sin and redemption. And the prophet Hochul's new religion is no exception. She offered the Christian Cultural Center a parody of Christianity in which the coronavirus is the original sin, the vaccine is the means of redemption, and the vaccinated are the grateful, saved community. Yeah, really, really nailed the exaggeration of that, of what was presented. So, again, first things first, right? Gospel first, revival first, living in our faith first, raising godly families, being examples in the workplace. In other words, being followers of Jesus. Put that first. The cross before the flag. Spiritual activity before political activity. Prayer is even more important than voting. Voting is important. Prayer is even more important. Yeah. Writing to your congressman is important. Knowing the word of God is much more important. Running for local office could be God's calling on your life. But even more important is being a disciple and making a disciple. And it may include that aspect. So I say all that to say, let's keep our emphasis right. And, and that's, that's why the first of the three R's in our ministry is revival. Revival in the church. That's what we live to bring and spark. And interestingly, out of the three R's, revival in the church, gospel-based moral and cultural revolution in society, and, and then redemption in Israel, salvation of the Jewish people. It's interesting that the majority of the people that connect to us, when we say, which of the three R's? was the main one that brought you into connection with our ministry. To this day, the largest single number say revival and, and, and then redemption and, and revolution. But they, they say revival. Is, is, so, so this is something burning in many, many hearts. That being said, what happens politically does matter. And who's president, who's in Congress, and who's in the courts, these things do matter as well. So let me give an example. Here's a report from, from ADF, Alliance Defending Freedom. Um, and it says this, this alarming Tenth Circuit decision said that the government can both compel and silence speech. All right, so you understand that you have, you have courts in each state, then you have regional courts, different federal courts. So Tenth Circuit is one of these regional courts, and it hears cases from different states. So Lines Defending Freedom reported this September 23rd. For more than a decade, Lori Smith worked in the marketing and design industries, but she felt something was missing. Lori wanted more freedom to use her talents to convey messages that she was passionate about. 
That's why she founded and launched 303 Creative. Lori pours her hard imagination and talents into the websites and graphics she creates. She spends time with each of her clients, which include individuals, nonprofits, and small businesses, to get to know and provide unique and custom website designs. Inspired by her faith, Lori desires to also create custom wedding websites celebrating marriage. But as she prepared to launch that new part of her business, Lori learned about the Colorado Anti-Discrimination Act, a state law that would punish her if she created custom wedding websites only in accord with her religious beliefs. As a Christian, Lori believes that marriage is a sacred union between one man and one woman. And while, and while she will create websites for anyone, she can't create all messages or use her design skills to express messages that violate her deeply held religious beliefs, no matter who requests them. That's why, with the help of ADF attorneys, Lori decided to challenge the law in court before it was enforced against her. This past July, the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Tenth Circuit issued an unprecedented decision against her in 303 Creative versus Ellenis, holding that Colorado can force Lori to create custom wedding websites that violate her religious beliefs. The First Amendment is clear. Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof or abridging the freedom of speech. Unfortunately, it appears that the Tenth Circuit didn't get the memo. The court ruled two to one that the state of Colorado can force Lori to design and publish websites promoting messages that violate her religious beliefs. But that's not all. CATA also sets this law also prevents, prohibits Lori from even explaining to her own company's web, on her own company's website, what website she can create consistent with her religious beliefs. Think about what this means for a moment. Both the state of Colorado and the 10th Circuit are saying that the government can compel both speech and silence. But a 10th Circuit chief, as 10th Circuit Chief Judge Timothy Timkovich wrote in his dissent, the freedom to speak necessarily guarantees the right to remain silent. So the majority ushers forth a brave new world and acknowledges that CATA compels both speech and silence. It finds this intrusion constitutionally permissible. All right, so let's, let's think about that for a minute. Let's consider this. They're telling her, if you're going to create websites celebrating marriage and things like that, then whoever comes to you, if it's two men, two women, whatever the situation is, a man who identifies as a woman, a woman who identifies as a man, they want to celebrate that, that you must do the work for them. You can't say, oh, I'm sorry, this violates my religious beliefs. Here, let, let's just say, for example, she's just a website designer. And someone comes and says, listen, we, we are Satanists. We hear you uh, really good, well-priced, really professional, and you put out some of the best websites. We're impressed with your work. We'd like you to do a website for us for the Church of Satan. She could say, no, I'm a Christian. No, I, I, I don't do that. Uh, well, of course, of course, of course, that has to be fine, right? It, in the same way, if, if there was an Orthodox Jewish web designer and worked heavily in the Orthodox Jewish community, and I said, hey, I'm with Jews for Jesus, and, and we really like your work, and, and we'd like you to develop a site for us about how, especially how to reach Orthodox Jews with the message of Jesus. Of course, I say, are you kidding me? Came to the wrong place. We do websites for the other guys, for the counter-missionaries, not for you. Of course they have the freedom to say that. Of course they can. It's a private business, and they can do that. It's not discrimination based on religion because there are plenty of other places you can go for websites. It's simply a matter of, no, we, we don't do that. Or, or let's say that you're into graphic horror stuff and, and you want some, some Halloween you know, features that, on a website and you're going to have you know, all kinds of horrific violent scenes and you go to, the, to, to this guy, Lori, and say, hey, we'd like to, no, sorry, I, that, that's against my, my beliefs and convictions. I, I don't do that. Okay, that's, that's her prerogative. 
But not only is the court telling her with her marriage websites, no, you can't do that. You don't have the right to refuse, okay? Not only are they telling her that, they are also telling her, think of this, that you can't post, we do, we, I'm a Christian, I'm a follower of Jesus. Because of that, we do websites for the following. And we don't want to offend, but we can't do websites for X, Y, Z. Look, what, what, if, what if some, you know, websites are around the world. What if some group in a country where polygamy is legal, plenty of countries on earth where, you know, dozens, scores and scores and scores where polygamy, polygamy is legal, and they said, we, we want to do a site, you know, for, for, for a dating site, you know, whatever it is, or a wedding site for, for polygamy and so on. And, you know, God wants more wives and, and so on. He can have up to four in our culture. And we want to set up something where women can meet the right guy. And no, no, we, we don't. We believe marriage is one man, one woman. No, she couldn't do that. She couldn't say that. And she couldn't explain it. She couldn't have anything explaining it. So my expectation would be, should this go to the Supreme Court, that it will get shut down because the Supreme Court has been very good on religious liberty cases in recent years. But this is what's out there. And you say, well, what's this got to do with politics? Well, the, the presidents are the one that, uh, uh, they appoint the judges, they nominate the judges, and then they get approved by members of Congress. So these matter. Again, revival first, but this matters. We, we've got to keep standing and we've got to keep drawing attention to these things. And we won't do it every day of the week, but a bunch of things we're covering today. We'll be right back. It's The Line of Fire with your host, activist, author, international speaker, and theologian, Dr. Michael Brown. Your voice of moral, cultural, and spiritual revolution. Get into the line of fire now by calling 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. You know, there is this fine balance again between people trying to do what's right, people trying to preserve public health, people trying to protect individuals from sickness, from death. Fine, excuse me, fine line between that and government overreach, employer overreach, schools overreach it's 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 a challenging moment to be walking through and of course there's great controversy over children having to wear masks to school all day especially little children uh, again you know there, there are lockdown issues many said the lockdowns are going to take more lives than the pandemic and because of what it brings with with depression suicide because of the, the effects of loneliness and the negative lifestyles that can come out of that because of people being afraid to visit the emergency rooms for other conditions or just get regular checkups and cancer and things and that and, and economic collapse and how that affects people and they have less health care and so on and so forth and that many have said that the lockdowns will kill more than the pandemic and there are more systematic ways and more targeted ways to do things and then others saying the government's just trying to take control of it and the people trying to help and save lives and, and, and there's no one answer that fits everything, right? There are things where there's clear government overreach. There are things where I believe people are really trying to help. And then people believe the science says one thing. Others say the science doesn't say that. So it's one of these very challenging times where we need to really ask God for wisdom and take things one day at a time, one step at a time. 
one of the great concerns is the effects of making kids wear a mask all day at school every day, especially the, the younger ones. Then you get the, the less of an issue, potential infection or, or carrying the, the disease would be. So uh, Matt Walsh decided after presenting his views at a local public school board meeting that he'd take his show on the road. So this is what Matt Walsh from The Daily Wire had to say. Hi, my name is Matt Walsh. I'm a community member in Nashville and a father of four. Um, you and the school board have decided that our kids should go to school all day, every day, wearing muzzles like rabid dogs. I have listened to your arguments, and I've noticed that they're missing a few things, namely evidence, data, science, common sense, and basic human decency. You've presented no facts at all, uh, so let me do that now. Here they are. COVID poses almost no risk to our kids at all. 4.2 million children have tested positive for COVID, a total of 0.008% of them have died. What about the flu? The CDC estimates that 480 kids died from the flu in the 2018-2019 season. That's more than have died from COVID in a year and a half. Now, did anyone on this board suggest at any point that year that kids wear masks? Did anyone in this room suggest that at any point anyone wear masks for flu, which again is more dangerous to kids than COVID? That's a fact. Now, do you know what it's called when you force your children to wear masks for fear of a virus that poses almost no threat to them? It's called child abuse. You want to look up a disease, look up Munchausen by proxy, because that's what this is. If you think I'm exaggerating, then how would you respond to a parent who forced his kid to wear a football helmet every day, all day, for fear of falling coconuts and meteors? Your kid is, is almost as likely to die of COVID as he is from a rock from the sky. And yet, if you saw that, you would say to that parent that he is abusive, that he is forcing his kid to participate in this utterly insane charade in order to satisfy his delusional, psychotic hypochondria. Now, do any of you know what sort of psychological damage we do to children by forcing them to cover their faces, teaching them that the air is toxic, that everyone around them is sick? Have you wondered about the health effects of forcing kids to breathe through sweat and spit and dirt-soaked rags every single day? What about learning to read and they can't see the teacher enunciating the words? What does it do to a child's developing immune system if he has to wear a mask all day, every day? You're satisfied to place this burden on children anyway, and why? It's not to keep them safe, they are safe. It's not to keep the adults safe, they can all get vaccinated if they want. No, you do it to make yourselves feel better and to protect yourselves politically. The child's mask is a symbolic security blanket for you, not them. It's a disgrace and you should all be ashamed. Thank you for your time. Pulling no punches, as expected from Matt Walsh. Now, I would say that I cannot say what he said, which is the only reason you do it is to feel good about yourself. Or the only reason you do it is for political reasons, whatever that would be. God knows the reasons that people are asking for children to wear masks. Some of it's just fear. Uh, some of it is feeling, no, this is really good. This is really important. This is really practical. Uh, some of it, the adults are fearing for their own lives and thinking, hey, uh, maybe the kids can't get it, but they can transmit it. Uh, others, it is a control thing. God knows that. God knows those details. But again, these are some of the situations that we're facing. And my wisdom to you is don't react emotionally because it's very easy to get emotional on all sides of this. I, I saw someone post the other day, uh, that was watching the show and posting on social media and he himself is vaccinated, but he was sick with COVID and said he thought he'd be dying of it now if he wasn't vaccinated, but he spoke at a meeting and all the people at the meeting weren't wearing masks. So because of their negligence, he was sick. Now, of course, 
he can't say for sure where he got sick or how he got sick. To him, it was very logical that he was around all these unmasked people and now he gets sick with COVID. And of course, he didn't know for sure that he would be dying if, if, uh, if he wasn't vaccinated. But that's, it felt very raw to him at that moment. He's an older man, you know, older than me. And it felt very raw to him. It felt like an assault. How dare you not wear a mask? Now you subjected me to that. And, and look, I could be dead because of it. That's how he felt. Matt Walsh, you're talking about kids. You're talking about the de- deleterious effects of, of having to wear a mask all day on kids. Okay. It's very easy. And, of course, Matt said what he said. I don't mean he was emotional. He said what he said and got that out. And my friend believes what he wrote, this gentleman on social media. My point is, for all of us, oh, calm Calm it down. Calm it down. And say, Lord, we really need your wisdom. Jacob, James, want God gives wisdom to those who ask for it. And the specific context is in the midst of trials, in the midst of tests. And for many, this is a test of our faith. This is a test of faith in terms of how we respond and how we live. Okay. One last news item. Governor Newsom in California. Washington Examiner reports this. This was also from the end of last week, September 23rd. Newsom signs bill allowing children to hide sex operations and abortions from parents. Um, Two bills. One, AB 1356, will create new offenses arising from recording or photographing patients or providers within 100 feet of the entrance to to a reproductive health services facility. All right, so you can't take pictures of people who are within 100 feet. That would be illegal. All right. The other, AB 1184, will keep patient information, information confidential for patients who are not the promise, primary policyholder for their health insurance. Healthcare services that patients can keep confidential include, quote, reproductive health care and gender-affirming care, according to the governor's statement. Did you get that? Did you get that? A kid can go into some facility that offers these services. 18 years old, they want to have some type of gender-affirming care. Could be hormones, could be surgery, could be something else related to that. They can get that done. They have family health insurance, right? So they're not the primary policyholder. And the parents, under this bill, will not be able to know what it was for. Yeah. And, and let's, here, let, let's see if we can find even the original language in the statement. I didn't read the whole statement there. It, it, it may be worded in a, a more positive way. AB 1184 protects the privacy rights of people. It directs, yeah, direct statement here. Receiving sensitive health care services such as reproductive health care and gender-affirming care. Wow. Wow. So think of it. You're, you're a parent and now your health insurance is paying out some bill of thousands of dollars. Was for your kid. For what? Did they have an abortion? Don't know. Well, talk to your daughter. What's going on? I'm not telling. It's my own business. <laughs> by law, by law, the parents can't find out. Even even if their health insurance is used for the family, they can't know what services were performed. They can't know that their son is now taking 
has prescribed hormones to hormone treatments to to change him into a female and is is preparing for various sex change surgical operations yeah you talk about government overreach you talk about an attack on families you talk about consequences of who you elect to office friends this is the reality this is what we're dealing with this is the radicality of the moment which drives us back to we need revival we need an outpouring we need revival starting in the church and then spreading from there to the society may i strongly encourage you to go to my website now askdrbrown.org askdrbrown.org may i strongly encourage you go there and pre-order revival or we die it's an exclusive uh, offer from our website it is the hardcover which is a special printing we're doing signed numbers cop numbered copies and a download a video download where i get into the reason for the book the history of the book take you through each chapter to further stir you encourage you get a bunch of copies get one for yourself get one for your pastor spiritual leader get one for family member friend i believe god's going to use it to spark many hearts and to ignite something fresh revival or we die Available at askdrbrown.org. Get the pre-order today. And let's pray. Pray for Governor Newsom and anyone I mentioned by name, that there be an awakening in their own lives. That they would be born again and come to know God and become ambassadors of righteousness. God bless you. Another program powered by the Truth Network.